Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Truth. Today's episode is on being true to yourself. You might call this authenticity. I've always had trouble with that word because I would watch motivational speakers up on a stage who were divorced twice and had a drinking problem and chain smoked and wore a hairpiece telling me about authenticity. But nonetheless, let's try it today. People come out of church, the church where we go to, having been there for 45 to 60 minutes, depending upon the sermon and the amount of people, and they hear about tolerance and forgiveness and treating others the way they would like to be treated, and immediately cut you off in the parking lot. There's no consistency there. There's no being true to yourself, at least who you claim to be. There's a woman at church who consistently parks in a fire zone. She claims that she's handicapped, although she's perfectly healthy. And when I asked her once how she's handicapped, she said, I'm over 65. I said, lady, 90% of the people in this church are over 65. That's hardly distinctive. She parks in a fire zone because she feels that she's special and can do that. And then she goes into church. Politicians who want to curry favor before an election, of course, change their positions all the time once they are elected. A habit that they have is you haven't heard from them for uh, almost two years in the House and six years in the Senate, and then two weeks before the election, they send you a newsletter as though they've been in constant touch. Inauthentic to me. You know, there's private and public accountability. And private accountability is when you say you'll hold yourself responsible to do something, and you have the discipline to do it, whether it's calling for referrals or losing weight or cleaning out the garage, whatever it is. I happen to have a high degree of personal discipline. It's how I got where I am. But it's fine to have public accountability, and that means that you tell a group with whom you meet regularly, for whatever reason, that you're going to clean out the garage or you're going to lose weight or you're going to call for referrals and then they can ask you when they see you in a week or so, have you done it? So public accountability works. It'll help you be more authentic. Lenny Bruce said once that anyone who claims to be a religious leader and owns two suits is a fraud so long as there's someone who has no suit at all. Now, that's somewhat extreme. It's sort of like the New Hampshire license plates, you know, live free or die. Well, you know, isn't there some middle ground there? However, he raises a point, uh, and that is, no matter how esteemed the profession, you know, whether it's the law or medicine or the clergy, you've got to be true to yourself. You can't say one thing and then do another. That's cognitive dissonance. I happen to think that the pandemic, among all of its horrors, uh, includes the horror of having been manipulated by both the medical community and politicians. And consequently, I think it lasted longer than it needed to, restrictions were harsher than they needed to be, and people suffered more than they had to. Do you remember John Denver, Rocky Mountain High? He was a great environmentalist before environmentalism was, you know, on the tip of everybody's tongue and before people were afraid the sky is falling. But it turns out, after John Denver died, that he had this estate up in the mountains in Colorado somewhere, and underneath the garage were huge storage spaces for gasoline. And so while he abhorred, you know, uh, creating um, uh, pollution in the air, and while he abhorred over-reliance on gasoline, he had it stored up the kazoo because he was wealthy enough to do it. 
In more modern times, in the height of the aforementioned pandemic, when people were not supposed to go out on their own, were not supposed to go to stores, stores were supposed to be closed, and people were supposed to observe monk-like privacy, Nancy Pelosi had her hairdresser in San Francisco open the shop just for her. She claimed it was a misunderstanding. No, I don't think that's a misunderstanding at all. Bernie Madoff, the famed pyramid fraud, had a family who had to know what he was doing. I'm sorry. They can't claim innocence here. They had to know with the kind of returns and lifestyle and money he had, and with the market conditions prevalent, that it couldn't be honest. They just turned around and pretended they didn't know. False praise is worse than honest criticism. Often at speakers' meetings, professional speaking meetings, somebody will get up in a showcase, will demonstrate something for 10 or 15 minutes, and they might be horrible, yet everybody stands up and applauds and tells them how good they are. That doesn't help anyone. It's more useful to say you didn't use any examples, your points aren't well taken, and you kept staring at your shoes. At least you can improve from that. If you lie enough on your resume, you start to believe the lies. Inauthentic. And if you don't believe that, the social proof for this is that so many people who rise to high ranks in the military and high positions in academia and even in business are found out by investigators or by accident that they never went to that school, never earned that medal, never earned the award. President Biden has said a lot about his academic background in law school, which are absolutely false. He didn't get an award he claims to have gotten in law school. He didn't have cancer that he claimed to have at one time. He didn't finish near the top of his class and so forth. Is he lying? I don't know. He might have lied at one point, but now he believes it. Who's Who, the book, which was once famous for, you know, the elite of society, and awards for people's books and awards for their websites are garnered today by simply paying to get in. I nearly got one of my dogs in Who's Who till someone demanded to speak to him. And so people think it's a big deal to claim these awards and these honorifics when everybody really knows they just paid to get in. Other people blame third parties. They're not true to themselves. It was the officiating. It was the weather. It was an accident. I taught as an adjunct professor for, I think, three or four semesters at the University of Rhode Island. Now, I've lectured at a dozen universities. I just came back from one. But I had an appointment as an adjunct professor in night school, in the Graduate School of Business, where I taught PhD and MBA candidates. Uh, my program, my, my course, my 600-level course, was supposed to have 12 people in it, but routinely had 20 because everybody wanted to get in there, and I didn't kick them out. It turns out, after that fourth or fifth semester, whatever it was, that the um, dean of the school asked me to leave. He said, we're not renewing your contract here. And I said, why is that? I'm just curious. They were paying me, I don't know, 2500 bucks a semester because it was a union rule. I didn't need the money. And he told me, quite confidentially, that after every semester, there was a student survey where they rated their professors. And I came in tops five semesters in a row, and the full-time professors demanded I be released. So they wanted their bar lowered. (laughs) That's not exactly being true to yourself and your calling. 
Brown University here in Providence, which is one of my absolutely favorite bad examples of anything. You know, they, they talk about indigenous people, they talk about holiday trees and not Christmas trees, and on and on and on, they're as woke as can be. Yet they're named after the most heinous slave traders in the history of the Republic, but they won't change the name of their school. Well, about a year ago, they were brought to court by the Pakanaket tribe because Brown, of all people, had to guarantee that they finally would honor sacred land of the Pakanaket tribe where they had built a building. They had simply appropriated the land, this vastly liberal school, and the Native Americans had to sue them. Hypocrisy. I was at a dinner the other night, and there was a guy at the table who was trying to toady up to our host. He was trying to pander to our host to, to prove that, you know, he was a big deal. And the host said to him at one point, now listen, uh, you know, Jim, um, do you remember that time we did this? And Jim said, oh yeah, of course I do. And I suspected he didn't. And then our host said, listen, why don't you tell the story? instead of me. And of course, he had no story to tell because he didn't remember it at all. He said, no, no, you, you tell it, you tell it better. Yes, men, I don't know how to make that gender neutral, sorry, but yes, men are never true to themselves. They just want to pander and try to advance their position by supporting someone who can help them. If you want to be true to yourself, it requires that you know who the hell you are. You, you, it's more important uh, to be honest than to try to be correct all the time. You can admit to being incorrect, but it's hard to admit to being dishonest. And so, are you attentive to others or are you simply self-centered? I remember once when I used to stay in inexpensive motels early in my career, there was a noise in the lobby at about seven in the morning. And when you went down there, it was a bunch of jello salesmen there for a jello convention singing the jello fight song. Yes, there was a jello fight song. And I had to wonder how many of these people really believed in jello that much and in a jello fight song. But there they were singing it in the lobby. Finally, let me tell you this a lot of you know that I was fired in 1985, and I swore I'd never be fired by any kind of moron again. I worked for W. Clement Stone, who was worth $450 million. And everybody toadied, everybody pandered to W. Clement Stone because he had so much money and he swung his weight around. Now, when I knew him back then, he was 82, 84 years old. Uh, <clears throat> and he had a mansion outside of Chicago on a lake, a funicular down to the lake. And the mansion had, I think, three stories. And the top story was a huge ballroom. And he owned 40 companies. And once a quarter, all 40 presidents would be commanded to be there for a meeting in this ballroom for a day and an evening. And this was called, the meeting was called Mr. Stone's Universe. And I was about, I don't know, number 27 going around this big U-shaped table. And the moderator would say something like this. Mr. Stone would like to move Chicago six feet to the left. What do you think? First guy would say, Mr. Stone, it's a great idea. Second guy would say, I wish I had thought of it. Third guy would say, we can get media coverage. And on and they went until they got to me. And I would say, that's the stupidest damn thing I've ever heard. Well, not long after that, I was fired. And I think you can understand why. So all I'm saying to you folks is be true to yourself. Life is short. 
And that's who you should be. It might be uncomfortable at times, but it's much better than being inauthentic. Authentically yours. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.